0: Hey guys, it's Ari Xavier and you're listening to the All Blacks Podcast. Hello and welcome to All Blacks Podcast. I'm Andy Burt and today I'm joined by Hurricanes loose forward Brad Shields. Welcome to the show Brad. Thank you for having me, bloody good. Hey mate, how's your uh, break been? Yeah, it's been good. eh? We
1: um, obviously had a tough pre-season uh, before Christmas and uh, uh, we were looking forward to a break and went down to Nelson, uh, spent some time with family and uh, ended up getting hitched over over New Year's and um, and that was pretty cool so and all in all a
0: pretty good break. And congrats on the wedding mate but also a new addition to the family as well?
1: Yeah the little Charlie, she's been absolutely awesome. Obviously uh, touching times early on, not really too sure what to do but um, I think we're settling in now and being away for a couple of weeks, especially me being home rather than travelling so much has been really good for Lou. and. Uh, And obviously learning a bit about a newborn baby is, um, you don't really know too much so it's been pretty cool yeah.
0: And you're loving fatherhood, you're learning how to change nappies and all
1: that? I had to change nappies first day in hospital, we had a c-section so I was um, was straight into the nappies and I thought I'd be a bit of a novice and didn't really know what to do but it actually wasn't too bad and uh, apart from a bit of poos on the fingers it uh, (laughs) ended up being alright so hopefully I'm getting better. (laughs) So you got some good daddy stories already? Oh a couple of good daddy stories but um, yeah apart from being peed on, on the way to the bath and, and all over the floor, it doesn't get much better than that I don't think.
0: <laughs> a couple of other Canes lads have um, had babies over the break as well, have you guys got a bit of a support network going on?
1: Yeah so um, Artie's obviously had his baby, Julie and, uh, and I think uh, Reggie Goods is, is due a baby in a, in a few days, oh, 20th of January so um, yeah we've got a bit of a group going on and, and I know it's good for the partners so they, they've got a bit of a release to get out of the house and uh, catch up some people. and. Um, that have got similar age babies and, and hang out so uh, nah, it's been good and, and I mean, obviously talk from uh, change rooms changed a little bit, it's all about what nappies you're buying and, and what wipes you're getting so it changes up a little bit but we're really enjoying it and I think it's cool. And all girls as well so maybe some black fins coming through the ranks. Yeah we'll see, Yeah, yeah. She's, um, she's grown out of her bassinet. Uh, after the first couple of months, so um, put her in the cot pretty early I think compared to uh, what what you're supposed to do, obviously had no choice so she could be tall, she could be big, we're not too sure, yet. we'll just see how we get on.
0: (laughs) Hey before we get into it mate, we've got a segment called Try or No Try, do you know how that works? Uh, I'm pretty self explanatory is it? Yeah. So we'll hit you with a few things, just say Try or No Try, so um, UFC? Try. Easter eggs on sale already? Try. (laughs) <laughs> you love
1: your, you love your chocolate. <laughs> I love my chocolate. Yeah, I've already sat there eating a whole block, which is not too, not too good. But um, yeah, but I love chocolate. What's
0: your go-to chocolate?
1: I love a good caramello, caramello.
0: Yeah, that's a goodie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pineapple on your pizza? Try. Game of Thrones? No try. No try. Interesting. No. Golf? Try. Sparkling
1: water? No try. Definite no try. Definite. Star Wars? No
0: try. Stokes Valley. Try. <laughs> it's great you say try to that. Um, I guess listeners out there might not have heard of Stokes Valley, particularly international listeners, but it's a suburb of uh, Lower Hutt, probably seven or 8,000 people. Probably not well known for a lot to be fair. Um, not well known for its rugby but um, it's where you grew up. Can you tell us a bit about Stokes Valley and your early rugby memories there? Yeah so
1: it was, um, my dad was in the army so we basically, we were moved all over the show and we, we settled uh, in 99. In Stokes Valley, and uh, actually, sorry, moved to the States for a year. So we basically lived there since 2000. So basically, went to primary school and um, went to intermediate and upper hut but came back to a, a college in Taita College, which is about 2k down the road. But uh, played all my junior rugby at Stokes Valley, and probably made my first rec teams and stuff from there. And we had there's probably a good handful handful of guys, half a dozen guys that um, that have played professional rugby from from the junior team that we played in. And um, yeah, it was just almost. Pretty grounding. Uh, went to primary school. It's uh, lots and lots of friends from Stokes Valley. Obviously, you move on and uh, people are on their own buzz, but still, still got a good core group of friends from there and schoolmates that all live there. Um, as you say, not not really rugby renowned. Um, so I had to kind of leave uh, when I wanted to play Premier Rugby and went to Petone, But um, yeah, I mean, I've always said, you know, and a group of us have always said that we'd we'd love to go back there at the end of our careers and, and finish with Stokes Valley and. Uh, I wear one sock on uh, on club day for Stokes Valley, one for Patoni, and even with the Barbarians when I when I toured with them, uh, wore well, one Stokes Valley sock and one Patoni sock. So somewhere somewhere that I hold pretty close to my heart, and um, obviously my first home in, in Wellington, and um, you could say Wellington born and bred, but I was born in Muston So well, we can stick to that. And um, yeah, lovely place, but obviously town's a bit closer to training, so to kind of get out of there and um, move away, but. Who knows, could be back there anytime soon.
0: I'm sure the people of Stokes Valley love to hear that maybe you'll end up playing there one day again. Yeah. Hey, um, so those rep teams you played and all those players that went on to play professional rugby who played, played in Stokes Valley with you, who are some of those players? Uh, so we've got um, Jason Woodward
1: who's obviously played for the Hurricanes. We've got Mike Kyinger who's, um, who's a journeyman. He's played for a couple of clubs, played for the Hurricanes as well, won a couple of championships. Um, we've got a guy called Nigel A. Wong who played a bit for the Brumbies. Um, and he's in Japan at the moment, and his cousin Layman Ah Wong, we grew up playing together. He's uh, he's played a bit for Wellington reps as well. So, you know, it's um, and to be fair, we all probably went to school together. Apart from Jason, uh, we went to school together and um, sort of grew up grew up together, kicking the ball around and uh, sort of to play against them or play with them was, was pretty cool. So.
0: I'll tell you what, you bring all those players back, could be Jubilee Cup contenders in 2025.
1: Yeah well that's the thing, It's um, one of the, I mean, we might be too old by then but um, well, we'll definitely give it a crack and uh, hopefully we can get a, another couple of couple of guys back. I know Corey Jane used to play for Stokes Valley back in the day so maybe maybe he'll be, oh mind you he's getting on, hopefully he might strap the boots up again and, and come play.
0: And uh, tell us about your year in the States, did you play rugby there?
1: No, nah, well, I was only I was only eight or nine, so, and, and their big sport is gridiron, but we we kind of went um, halfway through the year, so we were there in June, June to June, um, so it's halfway through the gridiron season, and then we left halfway through. So, I did a little bit of um, the football sort of scene and chanced chanced a little bit, but you know, I was sort of hit and miss because I didn't really know what I was up to. I was only eight years old and entered a couple of competitions, but apart from that, didn't really do any sport over there. Just the sort of the school sports and that, yeah.
0: And are you a fan of having a little bit of grounding in American football? Are you a fan of the sport and do you watch it? Oh, I watch it. I watch it. I don't know too much about it. Um, it's just the little rules and stuff, but I enjoy watching all
1: sports. Um, NFL, be- basketball, baseball, you name it. If it's on, I'll, I'll flick it on and have a watch. But um, as I say, I don't know too much about football, but I still give it a crack, yeah.
0: And uh, moving on to Taito College, mate. So, again, not a renowned rugby school. You know, not your, you know, you look at your St Bet's Towns, Rongotai College, Wellington College. That seems to be where a lot of the rec players come from and just talk to us about your journey making it from um, taida college
1: yeah so we, there's obviously me and um, mike kaianga that i uh, mentioned before he um he came to taida and um, we we tried to go to st Patrick's dream uh, funny enough uh growing up and, and we sort of missed out on that sort of going to that school um so we we went to Taita. Um obviously a group of friends from primary school and, and intermediate had gone there um and you're right. We we're playing sort of Division Three, Division Four rugby. I remember our last year, my second to last year at school, we won Division Four, and that was like to us, that was like winning Premiership, and you know, it was pretty amazing. But I guess it sort of taught us, and I think some of the bigger schools wanted us to head over there after a couple of years, but we sort of stayed true to who we were, and um, and we're happy where we were, and playing rugby, and we thought if we worked hard enough. Um, and we played well, regardless of what grade we were in. Then we we're going to get noticed, and I think um, it sort of did work out like that, and it sort of taught us that, you know, we're not going to get things out our way all the time, and you know, we're going to have to maybe work a little bit harder than everyone else. But uh, we're fine with that, and, and where we've ended up is pretty pleasing. And uh, I think um, we can owe a lot to Tyler College and uh, school for that. And I think it's actually funny that last year, uh, last year at school. Uh, so the year after we left, they changed the grading games, so Todd ended up in the premier um, grade anyway, and we weren't even at school for that. So, um, just shows how much rugby changes. But yeah, look, we, we really enjoyed it, and, and we owe a lot and a lot of work ethic and a lot of hard work to that school, and enjoyed every minute of it. I wouldn't change it for anything.
0: And it's a great lesson for some players out there who maybe at a smaller school, not traditional school, who are talented players, and thinking, "Hey, can I still make it to the top level?" And that that just shows they can. not
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I always go back to. Um, Someone's, uh, the best piece of advice someone gave me was that talent only really gets you so far. It's it's the hard work. You know, talent is obviously a big part of rugby, and um, you've got to be a little bit talented to, to get somewhere, but hard work is just as good. And if you're going to put it in the extra miles, you're going to end up being a pretty good player anyway. So, as long as you're dedicated and,
0: and work hard, um, then you, you can go from anywhere. You probably go to any school you want. And in those earlier years of you playing, who were some of the players that you looked up to? I guess in the Hurricanes international stage, who who were some of those players you kind of modelled your game on? I guess. Yeah, well, I was I was
1: I was a number eight playing like trying to play like a back, so I'd always model myself off Jonah Lomu and uh, Christian Cullen, but it wasn't sort of working out. So I guess when watching the Hurricanes, Thomas Waldron was sort of a a player that you know obviously didn't quite make the All Blacks, but uh, him and Rodney Sialo sort of fighting out for the same position, but. Um, Yeah, they were sort of guys I looked up to. I remember Thomas Waldron coming out to our school and and took us for a training session, and I was like, yeah, I want to be like that. So, um, yeah, a couple of those guys in my position, even Jerry Collins, obviously a big boy, big ball runner, big hitter. So, I sort of try and model my game around them, but I think I was a bit too loose at school, you know, chuck the ball around a wee bit. So, yeah.
0: And um, just outside of rugby, mate, so first Christmas with the new baby, how was was the first Chrissy? Yeah, it was awesome. We um, obviously went to Nelson and And had a really
1: good time. Pretty much, want to give her the same sort of experiences that we had growing up. And um, you know, our families are are all about Christmas and bringing family together. Not so much about the presents, but just having family around and having a really nice day. And um, she didn't actually cry on Christmas Day, which was, uh, I don't know if coincidence or not, but it was actually pretty cool. And um, yeah, we really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed having family around. And. Every year, she's obviously going to be a year older for Christmas and going to understand it a bit more. So um, it's going to be really cool, and I'm just glad we got the first one out of the way without a hitch.
0: And she's the first grandchild for your, your parents? Or?
1: No. Well, my, my sister's got four kids. Uh, she's a year older than me. She's got four kids, um, and Lou's family. She's got two niece, uh, one niece and one nephew. Uh, so we're the we're the, we're a few kid grandkids uh, after here. Yeah.
0: And in terms of during your summer break, what kind of stuff do you like getting out to, like in terms of going to the beach or surfing or anything like that, what do you like doing with the, with the great outdoors? Yeah well before the, before we, Charlie, came along, uh, I love getting out and having a couple of rounds of
1: golf um, just to kind of unload a little bit. Uh, definitely try to start surfing, don't do it often enough so I can't really surf too well. Um, we used to go around the south coast and, and go a bit for a bit of diving um, so that, that's quite cool obviously when the weather's pretty good but not too bad during summer. And uh, and just big bush walks and, and making the most of getting outside because once a year starts for us, rugby sort of all go and most of your days are taken up with uh, with footy and um, yeah, it's, it's the pressures on, so you want to just relax as much as you can, get some training done, but try and spend as much time with family and um, and, and make the most of it because you're pretty busy when you come onto it.
0: And in terms of Canes lads, who's the I guess who's the kind of best surfer or worst surfer or best golfer or worst golfer in the team? Oh, you'd probably have to say Bodie's the best golfer.
1: Uh, I'm pretty sure he can play left and right-handed and still be anyone. Uh, the best surfer would have, he's gone now, but Callum Gibbons was, um, he's a pretty epic surfer and he did a bit of skating and stuff, so he was that sort of extreme sports sort of guy, um, so he was pretty good like that. And I mean, there's a few good
0: golfers in that, but um, I wouldn't i wouldn't definitely rate myself in the, in the top five in the team. <laughs> and um, in terms of pets, mate, obviously a lot of players have dogs and pets. What, what pets do you have? Uh, we've got a little French bulldog. Um, he's a bit of mischief but he's a character and uh, yeah lots of
1: guys have dogs and stuff and it's quite cool we we, we did have dog day once didn't really last too long at the training but um yeah we good to have a pair I mean before Charlie came along again it was good company for Lou when you go away and um, and make the most of that but I think Priorities have changed a little bit since then. So yeah,
0: actually, Wellington uh, Lions. Now I think of it. Last year, had a day where you could
1: bring your pet to the game. How cool was that? Yeah, take the dogs into the uh, into the crowd, which was pretty cool. They sectioned off a wee area, and um, I think we ended up getting about 100 and same dogs. Yep. Um, but it was good to raise awareness for SPCA, and um, you know that was that was awesome, and do something different. And, uh, I'm actually surprised the stadium let it happen but apparently there wasn't any poos, there was just a bit of wheeze so it's not too bad, maybe they might be able to come back next year. <laughs> yeah.
0: and talk about charities mate, so you do a little bit of work for the Red Cross, um, you can tell us about that.
1: Yeah Red Cross is um, sort of a little project that uh, I just want to try and create awareness with and they came to me with a with an idea and, and I was more than happy to help out, I was always wanted to get into charities and um, help out a, help, help where I could create awareness and we were doing a few things um, like the a uh, journey in July is um, looking after about refugees and creating awareness on what they need to do, how they need to travel to get water and uh, supplies. And, and even even in Wellington some kids need to walk you know, four or five k's to get to school because you know, <laughs> maybe they can't afford the bus or something like that. So it's just creating awareness and you, and you kind of rock your steps over the month and uh, see, how, see how you can get sponsored, um, see how many steps you can do and, and try and raise as much money as we can. I think we raised about 40, 40k last year and it's even going to be bigger this year. Um, so things like disaster relief, just trying to create a lot of awareness because I don't think people really know about what Red Cross do they hear what Red Cross, who they are and all that but they don't actually realise you know, how important they are around the world, not just for disasters but um, and refugees uh, all around the world, they're, they're really working hard to, to help people out so it's really cool to be a part of.
0: And for people that want more information about that, where can they get that? On your social media channels? or
1: Yeah well um, there's obviously the Red Cross uh, website that they can pop onto and they've got basically everything you can think of. On there, um, yeah. Social media channels are, are a massive one. They've got an Instagram, Facebook page, Twitter page, um, and, and it's it's so easy just to donate money, or it's so easy to be a part of, um, follow follow the movement sort of thing. Because they're getting bigger and better, and they all they do do is want to help. So
0: perfect, mate. Hey, and um, again, more off the field kind of stuff. So, uh, what's on your Netflix watch list at the moment? What are you watching?
1: Netflix. Well, I w- it, it was. Vikings until season 5 hasn't come out, so we're on Lightbox to watch season 5 Vikings. Um, but apart from that, I've been really slack with Netflix. It was, um, what was I watching? Oh you yeah, put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, it was Bates Motel, was that on Netflix? So we watched a season of Bates Motel, that was really cool, but apart from that, I'm just in bed most of the time sleeping now. Too busy with, uh, with, with Charlie, but I think Lou, Lou seems to watch a bit more than I do. Uh, during the week on Netflix but maybe I might have to look it up and see what else I got on there.
0: Hey um, we had Artie on the show recently and he um, told us about his hair care regime um, which was quite interesting Um, but can you tell us about your um, beard maintenance regime mate?
1: Oh to to be fair it's been super slack, it used to be condition, uh, blow dry, uh, beard wax, beard oil, whatever, you name it I was trying it but um, ever since then basically is a trim and a bit of of beard oil sometimes and then um, that's about it. I mean it probably doesn't look too bad at the moment because I've had a trim but yeah, uh, something that I'm getting a bit lazy with and whether I need to shave it off and start again, I don't know but I don't think Lilby's will be happy with that.
0: <laughs> uh, it's good, we're getting more and more styling tips on the All podcast, it's brilliant. <laughs> hey um, so you talked about hunting and fishing and diving earlier on, I guess um, what's your favourite kind of seafood, like what's your go um, to? Be, to be honest, I'm not huge with seafood,
1: I mean I'll, I'll eat it and I'll try everything. I, I love um, calamari and I love... Prawns and all that sort of stuff. You obviously can't get that when you go diving. But um, look, I'll eat paraw with butter, butter and garlic, or salt, and pepper, um, some paraw, cream paraw, or something like that. But I just get out there because it's an excuse to get out with your mates and have a bit of fun. And um, you know, I was a little bit to be to be fair, I was a little bit scared of the um, going diving, just the rocks and all that. It doesn't really appeal to me. But once I got out there, I was you know I loved it. And you would go out for three or four hours and. Um, you know, have a little fire on the beach, have a little barbecue on the beach or something like that so that's pretty cool and um, get to drive around four driving around Red Rocks is um, is pretty cool and so just spend time with your
0: mates and uh, get out and have a bit of fun is, is, is more what it's about for me. Who's the lad in the canes that goes down diving and always comes up with a cray, who's who's that one? Uh, well, Mike Kininger,
1: my mate, he's, um, he's a bit of a freak, he can hold his breath for about four minutes or something like that under the water which is crazy, I can't even do 30 seconds. Um, Reggie Goods is um, he's pretty good at under under the water. Um, ben May goes a little diving quite a bit and I think there's a, there's a big group actually, Blade Thompson, I'd say he'd probably be um, one of the best. But yeah, it's hard to tell. We probably need to go and have a little competition so you can come out with the most stuff. But I definitely wouldn't be up there again. I wouldn't put myself in the top five. More of a bit of a hobby than anything too serious. So For
0: sure. yeah. <laughs> and If you weren't a rugby player mate, what kind of, um, I mean you mentioned American football before but what what sport do you think would be your your sport if you weren't into rugby?
1: Well to be fair mate, I I had to choose when I was finishing school uh, whether to play softball or rugby, Um, probably wasn't as good at softball as I was at rugby so that's obviously why I chose rugby and the, the career to me probably stuck out a bit more. Um, but I'd probably give softball a crack, and you know that can obviously take you around the world as well. And um, New Zealand's a, is bloody strong at softball, and, and, and they're world champions, um, and they've been for many years. So, and I've got a lot of a lot of mates that still play softball, and I'd love to get back there and play, but sort of had to make that decision for timing and all that sort of stuff. And uh, rugby was where it was at for me, but um, yeah, I'd probably be playing softball somewhere, or to be fair, I'd probably be in the army. Actually, my dad was in the army, so um, I probably would have gone to straight out of school into the army if I didn't have rugby so
0: And growing up out in that Stokes Valley tight area that's such a real hotbed of softball isn't it out there? That's where yeah, Mark Sorensen's from and all Yeah that. yeah mate. The hut is
1: um is, is massive and we had the biggest rivalry um, during during our softball days and, you know, when we do club nationals it was, it was in Wellington, but Hutt Valley was always a, a team to beat so, you know, it was great to be a part of and it was um it was really cool and, and missed that sort of uh, sort of side to the competitiveness but as I said, lots of mates that still play and um, very lots of us Valley guys that are in the, in, the, in the Black Sox as well so just shows that we're still pretty strong.
0: Yeah and um, looking at the Hurricanes pre-season, so surf to peak and you, you won that obviously, can you just tell, um, people out there probably don't even know what that is, can you just explain what surf to peak is?
1: Yeah so we start, um, for, for anyone who knows where Lyle Bay is, we start from Maranui, we, we run, I don't know, have long Maranui to Spruce Goose, uh, jump on our bikes and then basically ride around the Miramar Peninsula all the way Sorry, we'll start at uh, Mile Point all the way around through Seaton, Roma Peninsula, um, background, Evans Bay, all the way back around to Oriental, and then shoot up Hay Street, which is uh, a vertical climb, and um, and up to the top of Mount Vic. So it takes just under an hour. Um, it's pretty tough to finish pre-season, but um, no, nah, it's pretty fun at the same time and pretty competitive too.
0: How grueling is that? That sounds. Uh, doesn't sound like fun to me. Make...
1: Well, it's um, the, the run's probably the hardest part to be fair, but. If, you, um, if you're with a good group on the bike, then uh, then you're doing pretty well. If you're up the front, then you've you got a good group, you, you'll do good. But if you get stuck by yourself, mate, she's a bit of a grind, especially with the northerly uh, when you come around some of those corners. But um, yeah, that run is basically uh, straight uphill all the way. and uh, I don't know if many people can do it without walking. So it is a bit of a grind, but uh, at the same time, it's it's a good way to finish pre-season and uh, finish together as a group and, and to have a bit of competition going. And at the end of it, you kind of... Feel good, you know, can deserve a break and, and and deserve to get away and have some time to myself. So,
0: is that the first time you've taken it out?
1: Nah, it's actually the second time. But the f- the first time I did, the group I was riding with, none of them actually ran, so we got a decent lead on the bike, and um, and all of them sort of jumped off their bikes and stopped because they're either injured or uh, couldn't couldn't run up the hill. So I was the only one running and managed to hold on for that one. But this year I think there's a bit more competition, and I was pretty stoked to finish. You know, it was the last time I'm going to be doing it. Um, so I sort of wanted to finish on a high, and, and I'm glad I could.
0: Is there a honors board anywhere? With everyone that's won it, or no?
1: Nah, there's not. Actually, I might have to um, suggest that because there's been some, you know, there's been some really. It's mainly Fords that won it. To be fair, a couple of backs have won it, but I think the bike, you know, Fords generally have longer legs, bigger, bigger sort of pipes on them, so they they they're a bit better at at the bike. So yeah, they. Should do it on this board actually. you've Got yeah, me thinking yeah. yeah that could be your legacy, mate. <laughs> so um,
0: Blackwell and Gibbons run it. Won it recently, obviously. I think. Um, who are the backs that have won it? I couldn't even name a uh, back.
1: Jimmy won it. Marshall won it one year. So he um, basically on the bike, he tucked in behind a, a guy. On it, so we have to we have to ride a road a mountain bike. Sorry, we're not allowed. To, we're not allowed to road bikes. And he found as this road bike zoomed past us, he managed to catch up and sitting behind him all the way so he got a massive lead and, and he's he's fit as they come so he boosts up the hill and beat everyone by about four minutes so uh, he was the last back that I know of that won it. Yeah can't think of anyone else, any backs before him or after him so.
0: What a brilliant tradition though for the Canes. Hey um, this year there's a number of new faces in the squad um, for all Super Rugby teams actually but uh, for the Canes who are the players to watch out for, the new players?
1: Yeah was obviously, we've obviously got a Safors coming in. Um, off the top of my head, um, the the te- the team's basically the same, and and there's obviously a couple of players here and there. But we've got lots of young guys. We've got the guy called Brayden AOC who's just training with us from one or two. He's gonna be, you know, if he gets any game time or, or later in the future, he'll be good. Um, Gareth Evans obviously come from the Highlanders, so he's gonna be good for us. Uh, Finlay Christie, two nines, Jamie Booth, um, bit of backup for TJ. We've got Iha West so we've got guys, you know, filling in positions that. Um, there's going to be bloody good for us and we've got some bloody good players. In terms of young guys, I'm, I think basically our roster's all checked up with um, guys who have been around for a couple of seasons now, but I know Wes Goosen's starting to play some really good footies, so watch out for him. He's he's going to be a, a great player and I know we've got Matty Proctor back as well, so we've got some some good talent coming through that haven't been in that All Blacks environment that will probably be pushing for All Blacks spots uh, in the coming years. So.
0: I don't know if there's ever been a Super Rugby team in history that's had that strong uh, uh, players in the number two jersey to have three guys that are basically international standard players yeah. playing hooker, right, it's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the coach and I don't have to pick who plays. So, um, but yeah, that, I think mean, that's that's obviously key to having successful rugby team is having depth, and no matter who we chuck out in any position, especially a hooker, is um is pretty can be pretty strong and, and do the job. So it's pretty cool.
0: And in the gym, mate, who's been um, lifting the most?
1: Oh, it's interesting because some guys. Training at different sports, like the tight four, trainer at a place called Powerhouse. Um, so they lift big tin, those those front rowers, and that. Um, some of the Lucy's they're quite strong as well. That Braden Lucie fellow, he's got a good bench on him. Um, some of the backs can squat a decent amount of weight. I was quite surprised, but um, yeah, I'd probably have to say some of the front row boys. Even even Riccatelli, he's a he's a strong little nugget. So. Um, yeah, there's a few strong boys but there's a few fit boys this year as well which we're, uh, we're pretty pleased about. Usually you get one or the other but we've got a bit of good mix this year.
0: And in terms of pace, who would you say is the, qui- who's the quickest in the team?
1: Uh, I think Wes Goosen's the quickest so far but uh, he might be tested when Via comes back. via has got a pretty quick 5 metre time So, but Wes is up there and, and Matty Proctor's up there as well.
0: And we often think of Bodhi as being one of the quickest you know, going around in the world circuit but you think these three guys are up there with him or, or faster? Oh, uh,
1: well, I think Bodie's definitely still up there. Um, Bodie can probably. Yeah, I don't know. Bodie's probably got that longer distance running in him, whereas these guys are a bit more powerful, a bit more explosive. Um, Bodie will just seem to run the same speed, which is bloody fast. For the whole 80 minutes, so which is a pretty bonus for us. Your yeah, vice speed off the mark seems pretty incredible. Eh? Yeah, it's crazy, and he's he's obviously put a bit of size on. So having that run out here is pretty tough. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, Brisbane 10's coming up. Did you play last year?
1: Yep, I went over last year. Um, interesting competition. I, I haven't really played much sevens or anything. It's not really like sevens to be fair at all. But um, yeah, it was it was cool. It was sort of it's sort of a, a mark mark you can have a bit of fun and uh, get some time away, especially for some young guys almost like the intern sort of guys that come and train during pre-season, it gives them something to look forward to rather than just train and then leave. Um, something to focus on, they get to play, they get to experience going away for a, a weekend or whatever uh, and it's pretty cool, I think it's a really good incentive and obviously great, creates a good competition. Um, as you see with that pole team there's a few ex-all blacks coming to play so that's pretty cool and I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger bigger and better.
0: I was there as a punter last year and it was just hot enough watching the games but how do you handle playing in eat? I don't think I've played in forty degrees um, ever.
1: so uh, it was pretty tough. I think I would have lost about five kilos in, in one of those games just from sweat. so it was tough, but um, look you, I mean to be fair once you get out there you don't really notice it too much. It's when you stop and and stand around that you notice the heat, but hopefully touch wood. If I go again this year, it's not gonna be that hot. Yeah.
0: And how good does it catch up with those players from all around the world that you might not see? You know, you might not. You know, last year there's French teams, of course, Japanese teams. How good is that to play against those guys?
1: Yeah, it's massive. It just sort of creates a new sort of angle to to watch rugby. And you know, some people would would never see Japanese teams play or, or French teams play because all they see is New Zealand and Australia. So, you know, it's pretty cool to integrate all that sort of stuff and. Um, Obviously, some pretty high-profile high players that play, and yeah. Yeah, for, for viewing viewership is is pretty cool. And as I say, it's going to get bigger and better, and people are just going to want to play just because it's only a three-day tournament and it's it's a bit of fun. But at the same time, it's a great competition.
0: And looking at the um, Super Rugby seasons, obviously there's going to be the home derbies are always tough, you know, they're like test matches. But outside of that, who are the teams from offshore? Do you think who are going to be um, stepping up this year?
1: I know. The Lions will definitely be another a tough team to crack, although they've lost a couple of players, I think they're still going to be up there. Um, I'm not sure, I haven't, I haven't really done too much homework just yet, um, but obviously Australia had a tough year last year, but look, I think they've had a, a massive pre-season and I'm sure they're going to come hissing this year and you've got teams like Brumbies who are always competitive and, um, and the Waratahs, you know, they had a rough year last year, but I'm sure they're going to come firing, so... Um, yeah, it's hard because it's such a hard competition in New Zealand, and um, you kind of got to be on for every single game because if you drop one of those New Zealand games, then you could be battling to to find a playoff spot at the end of the competition. So, um, and then drop another team, Australia or South Africa, that makes it even tougher. So you always got to be on your, your head. And um, as you saw last year, any team can sort of beat anyone. You know, the Sunwolves tipped up with the Blues in the last round last year, and. Um, nearly beat the Chiefs at home so you, you never know who's going to come down and, and, and beat you on, on the day so look, I'm looking forward to it, it's a great challenge.
0: And interesting mentioning the Sunwolves, they've actually assembled a hell of a squad this year. Some real good signings and Jamie Joseph as a coach, that could be a bit of a dark horse this year.
1: Yeah well they've, they've always sort of been that team, we're not sure how they're going to perform uh, and, and you can see they're getting better and better and better and just like the rest of the world, the uh, the rugby's sort of catching up there from being you know, 20 minute teams to 40 minute teams to 60 minute teams, so Sunwolves are going to get there and, and as I said, you can't take any team lightly because um, you never know You never know when they're going to come knocking.
0: And um, looking at, this is a question that comes quite often from fans out there, just a day in the life of a professional footballer, um, in terms of, I guess people don't realise the amount of training that you guys do, not just training, the physio, the, the, the you know sessions with the masseuse, the um, strategy, all that stuff. Can you just talk us through, so a standard day in the middle of the week um, for a professional footballer?
1: Yeah, so if we played like a Saturday to Saturday game, it's probably the easiest to explain. We'll, we'll come in on a Monday, Monday and Tuesday are probably our biggest days. Um, there's a there's a lot of sort of review and then preview going on in those two days. We're we're probably on the field, you know, two times on a Monday and then two times on a Tuesday. Um, a lot of time in front of the computer, as you say, with the physios and, and trying to get our bodies right from the game in the weekend, but, excuse me. Um, yeah, Monday. Monday would be coming on a Monday, uh, have a meeting, then then split into forwards and backs and, and do some review and, and even start looking forward. We'll have um, strategy meetings, see who the team we're playing. Individuals, sort of smaller groups, and uh, we'll be out on the in the gym. Uh, we'll do a session in there for for a couple of hours, have a, have a little bit of a lunch break, come back, and then we will have a field session in the afternoon. Um, maybe maybe a meeting before that as well. Um, And then a Tuesday is probably probably a bigger day, we're on the field in the morning and then on the field in the afternoon again and two big sessions and you almost get a bit more rain done just to try and get the cobwebs out so come Thursday, Friday we can really start to hammer in some intensity and uh, Thursday's probably a big day for contact but it's not too long. And then Friday's captain's run day so we're on the field quite a bit during the week. We, we get Wednesday off if we play Saturday to Saturday but there's still a little bit of onus for you to do some of your own training or do some yoga or um, do something in your own time whether it's study the opposition or um, get your body right for that game on the weekend. So it does get pretty tough but um, they're pretty good at managing workloads coming to the right end of the season. Yeah
0: Yeah, the big thing seems to be the balance doesn't it between making sure you're not, not underworked or not overworked.
1: Yeah well that's the thing the coaches come in and um, on a Monday real fresh, ready to, ready to go and ready for the new game, we're sort of coming in all beaten up and bruised and maybe take a little bit longer to get into it but you know so say it's that balance and, um, and and having those sort of downtime during the week to, to kind of recoup and getting the options to um, when we do a flush and all that sort of stuff is, is massive to being right because you want to peak on a Saturday not on a, on a Monday. So.
0: And in your time playing um, pro rugby have you actually noticed advances in the technology so things like we see the trackers on jerseys now, things like that, have you noticed that throughout your
1: play? Oh they're huge on numbers and especially the Hurricanes are like,
0: all our, all our training
1: systems are GPS so uh, if you go over a certain amount of high intensity reps or you go over an, a certain amount of distance in a week they might pull you back a little bit. Um, your heart rate, straps, all that sort of stuff, Your um, what sort of intensity or how many cases you run in an actual game as well. Uh, all that sort of stuff is monitored. Your gym, your strength, your speed—all that's all monitored. So it's everything's just getting better, bigger, and better. Um, right, right through till we're in an altitude chamber for pre-season. We jump on a bike and we're up at two and a half thousand uh, feet above sea level and trying to get fitter, trying to get stronger, and everything's just uh, all about numbers and stuff. So.
0: And people probably don't realise that work that goes on behind the scenes, and I guess for a pro rugby player like yourself that's standard, but for someone, I don't know, playing club rugby, they've got a great season, all of a sudden they break through, they might be young and in a professional environment, that must be pretty daunting, all that stuff.
1: Yeah it's, it is and, and I suppose the earlier you get exposed to it, the the easier it is, but some guys can't can't cope with it and, that, and that's the reality of professional rugby, is that it's not for everyone and if, if it was easy then everyone would be playing. So. Look, it is tough, and, and as I mentioned earlier on in the conversation, the, the work rate and the work ethic sometimes overtakes a bit of talent because it's a long season, you, you might play good for one game, but it's how do you play good for 15 games in a row, um, how do you not get injured during pre-season, how do you look after your body, all that sort of stuff. It all counts, and um, some people get ahead of themselves too early and, and, and can't cope and then sort of drop off, but those who are willing to work hard, look after themselves, l- want to do the work, um, tend to stick around a bit longer.
0: Hey, Brett. Great chatting to you, mate, mates. Obviously, um, potentially last season for the Canes, you're heading offshore. Um, what appealed to you about Wasps?
1: Um, well, the uh, Wasps. I sort of look at them when I, for some reason, I, I said if I wasn't playing for the Hurricanes and there's a team overseas that I love to play for, it would be the Wasps. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's the same colours. Um, I, I just like the way they play, and uh, they're very similar to the Hurricanes and, and their sort of game strategy. I know that I know the, the game plays a bit different over there, a bit more forward orientated, a bit more kicking, but. Overall, I think the skill levels similar to the Hurricanes. The way they, the speed they play the game, um, they're obviously a very competitive team. They lost in the final last year of the Viva, uh, Aviva Premiership. Um, you know, they're, they're they're big competitors in the European Championship. So, yeah, it was just about finding a club that was going to suit me and, and I could slot right in and, and sort of still play the same sort of brand of rugby. And, and they seem to be the one that stood out for me. And and pretty happy with the choice.
0: Well, you're going to be hugely missed in um, New Zealand, mate, but hopefully we'll see you back one day playing for Stokes Valley.
1: Yeah, mate, I'd love to, and uh, it's obviously sad to leave. I would have loved to stay and play for the Hurricanes for my whole career, but uh, another opportunity has come knocking, so you sometimes you just got to um, take it and run with it, and, and that's what I'm doing. So very sad to leave, and New Zealand rugby and Hurricanes rugby especially, Wales rugby especially, have, um, have been really good to me, and, and um, I thank them for that, but I'm just looking forward to the new journey and a new chapter in my life.
0: Awesome, thanks a lot and best of luck for the hurricanes mate.
1: Cheers, thank you very much.